0: I jumped into chapter seven of Matthew in main service last week, and I was teaching on my, my focus was truth and how important truth is in the world that we live in, and, and actually, any time in history, truth has always been vital, and we are all searching for truth. Like we we want the truth. There's there's almost nothing more important than truth, you know, trust, um, and something that we desire. It's something that's built in us that we want, and um, what we'd learned in scripture was that truth is and I've told you guys this a million times truth is not relative it doesn't change from person to person um, the truth of God is uh, something that's revealed in in his word and it's something that we should live our lives around um, and it's easy to believe and trust in this truth because it's been unchanging and it's and it's revealed itself faithful over and over and over again and you guys are, again, you live in a culture right now where things are just changing from year to year, uh, from person to person, and uh, and it can be hard. It can be hard to figure out, well, what's what's right and what's wrong, and look, I already got one that fell asleep. And um, so part of that, that study in Matthew was talking about um, false prophets or false teachers who come, you know, resembling the truth, but they're not, really, they're not really bringing the truth. And it's deceptive in that way because it looks and it sounds like truth, but it's really not. And so part of that was seeing, okay, how do we know false prophets? Like, how do we, how do we know false teachers? How do we know, like, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? That type of thing. Like, okay, Red Riding Hood didn't know it wasn't her grandma. It looked like her grandma, but it wasn't her grandma. How do we figure that out, right? Well, If you were Red Riding Hood, you would probably ask, like, okay, like, a personal question, like, Grandma, like, I don't know. Anyways. So, the, sh- the same thing, it goes with these false teachers and false prophets, is that we don't look at the appearance, because, you know, from the appearance of things, and even how things sometimes sound, it, it sounds like it could be right, it could be truthful. You know, a wolf in sheep's clothing is going to be someone who has the appearance of being uh, a... a Christian, right? Uh, somebody who claims to love Jesus, and that's the deception of, of Satan. Satan, you know, it's not like Hollywood makes it out to be where, like, Satan's walking around in a red jumpsuit with a tail and a pitchfork, right? Because you, you see that, and you're like, well, that's Satan, right? That's that's our enemy, but our enemy is, is really clever and deceptive in the sense that he walks around where it looks like anyone else, right? And so false teachers, they you know, you, you judge them based on their fruit and not their appearance. You, we're sort of, to be able to judge those off of what comes from them, what comes out of their mouth and the way that they live their lives. And so that's what we looked at. And we looked at also the, the importance of obeying Christ and his words. And Jesus likens it to the one that builds his house on a rock compared to the one that hears Jesus' is saying and doesn't do them to someone who builds their house on sand, right? And and obviously, just you guys are young, but you don't have to be an engineer to understand that would be really dumb to build a house on sand, right? Because at any moment it has no good foundation. Any moment, anything can knock it over. Again, going back to these kids' stories, like the the three uh, was it three little pigs, right? And uh and the big bad wolf came and tried to blow it over, and one built it with Straw and then sticks and brick, right? It's something that is just it's it's common sense, and so Jesus gives us this common sense picture. And I'm bringing all this up because ironically, this is something that we're studying this morning. We're going to be looking at the fruit, and and as we study this, we're not going to be so much looking at the fruit of other people, as as we've studied prior to last week. We studied that we are to judge not, lest you be judged, right? And in verse 37, look at it: judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. And then Jesus gave us this parable, this picture of, like, how are you trying to tell someone, hey, you have a speck in your eye, when you yourself have a plank in your eye, right? And so he gives us this this crazy analogy, just to show us, he, he goes to the extreme, and to make it funny, to show us how dumb it is of us to do something like that, when we have this plank in our own eye. And so, Again, Jesus was getting at is that we really need to check our own heart. We really need to, for the Lord to reveal in us what is not good, what, what is not of him. Because that's something that we need to allow the Lord to cleanse and forgive so that way we can righteously judge someone else and see if their fruit is good or bad. Otherwise, if, if I'm not checking myself first, I can't righteously judge that. So, We're going to start in verse 43, where we're going to follow along with this idea of, look, we need to check ourselves, uh, in a sense, before we wreck ourselves. (laughs) So, Luke 6, verse 43. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So here again, we see that Jesus is picking up with the do not judge. You know, focus on the plank in your eye before you look at the speck in your brother's eye. And he tells us and he gives us this picture of this tree two trees. We got a good tree and a bad tree, right? And he says, logically, this cannot happen. He says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Otherwise, it would be a bad tree. So a a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and vice versa. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Like, it just does not happen. It cannot happen. And he says, um, every tree is known by its own fruit, right? So how do you know a tree, what kind of tree it is? How do you know what kind of tree is, like, how do you know if it's an apple tree, right? We're just being obvious here. How do you know if it's a, who do oranges grow on? They grow on trees, right? <laughs> I had to think about it for a second, right? A fig tree, and a coconut tree, and a <laughs> what was that, a pump? A cocoa tree, right? You know what kind of tree it is based on the fruit that's produced. So, The fruit that we see, and he gives, again, it's the picture, it's just a picture, that we can be like these trees, right? So how do we know if someone um, is, in a sense, good or bad? How do we know if someone is truly walking with the Lord and producing good fruit? Or how do we know if someone is not walking with the Lord and producing bad fruit? The only way to really tell, and the only way for you to tell, is the fruit that is produced. Is it good, or is it bad? And the fruit is the inevitable result and evidence of who you truly are. Because Jesus, as he has said many times in scripture, many, many times, that it all stems from the heart. It's from what's inside. Right? So an apple tree, like in its DNA, it's an apple tree. So it, it has to produce apples. It cannot produce anything else. Right? So for you, if you are considered this good tree, or as Jesus says in verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, right? If your heart is bad, you cannot produce something then that is good. Because Jesus says, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, right? So, so we see, again, how do I figure out if I'm this good tree, this bad tree, or this good man, or this evil man? Well, it all depends. And how do I know if I even have a good heart or an evil heart? Well, we see the evidence of it and the things that we do and the things that we say. And Jesus says at Ian's verse 45, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Again, you can tell what kind of tree or bush something is from its fruit and you can tell what kind of person or their heart that they have by what comes out of their mouth. And I believe too, this even, this even equates to things of like, you know, uh, things that come like, like that. It's not even just The challenge is what I'm trying to say. The challenge isn't in everyday life where things are just happening and let's see what comes out of your mouth. The real test is when something quickly happens and what is your immediate response without thinking, right? Like in a sense, like um, driving and road rage. Right? Somebody cuts you off. Well, what's your response, right? Um, Somebody does something to you that's that's mean. What's your immediate response, right? I believe then that is the evidence of what your heart truly reflects, right? You know, let's say you're like walking around and you've, you've got a plate of food and you drop it and all of a sudden you say a curse word, right? Because you're like, oh, dude, I just like, whatever. You're, you're upset, right? And so it, it, in a sense, you would say, well, it slipped out. I would say, well, no, that's what's always been in you, right? It's just, it's just now coming out. It's truly who you are is being revealed in what you say. Right? And it's not just in times of like res- quick response type things, but your words and your actions, but specifically your words here that Jesus says, it will reveal your heart. It will. So sometimes when I'm listening to your conversations, I can just tell where you're at based on what you're saying. right? Because God, what he does is when, when we surrender to him, and we're going to see this in the end of this chapter, when we surrender to him, not only does he give us a, gives us a new heart, but then he continues to sanctify us the more that we are in his word and obeying it. And so by that process, we then eliminate the things that are filthy and that are vulgar. And that are. And again, it's not by our own doing. It's through the transformation of Jesus. But it's also through our obedience in the sanctification process. And so no longer, if you drop a plate of food, will a curse word slip out. Right? Because you're being sanctified. And God has given you a new heart. So when I was in Matthew chapter 7, last week in the, in the main service, it was talking about judging other people and their fruit in their lives. But in this context, it seems to be about judging the fruit in our own lives. So again, Jesus says, I need you to focus on you. We're often too focused on other people and their issues. Focus on you and your issues because you have them. And if you don't know what they are, David says so eloquently in the Psalms, search my heart and reveal it to me right lord reveal to me what is in me that is not of you that is not good that is not right so we judge the person and we can see their heart by their words what are you saying right like what are the words that are coming out of your mouth right is it good is it bad is it vulgar you know i think sometimes we we can we can take liberty too far We can take grace too far, you know, and I'm sure some of your parents have taught you this because I'm sure you've seen it from other Christians, but we try to use liberty and grace as a means to justify some of the things that we do and say, right? Like, I can say these bad words or I can talk this way because I have the grace and the liberty to do so. But Paul also encourages us that, look, you may have that liberty and grace because God is all about grace but that doesn't mean that you take advantage of that grace. That doesn't mean that it's helpful. That doesn't mean it's good. And, and the moment that we think, well, ah, it's just words, that's where you've completely missed what Jesus is revealing to us. You ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's the, one of the biggest lies you'll be, ever be told in preschool or whatever it is. It's a lie. And as you guys know, words hurt right? Whether it's through an email or a text or somebody says it to you or they don't say it to you and you hear it from someone else, right? Words hurt and they're powerful. And I want to show and reveal to you really quick just a few verses and scripture is full of it in regards to the power that our words have. And and listen, we're just but mere humans, right? And yet our words have power and we see that God in his word has ultimate power. And we're going to see that as we look at it. But a couple of verses, and the majority of them are in Proverbs because it's all about wisdom, and we'll study this as we go through it. Proverbs 11.9. It says, The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16.24, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 18.4, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. And Proverbs 18.20, a man's stomach shall be justified from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. In Proverbs 25:18, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. And that verse, in a sense, completely contradicts that whole motto, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is false. Words have power, and they have power to uplift someone but they have power to hurt someone. And we see that our words reveal our own true heart. And it's important to know what kind of heart that we have. It's important to know. So words have power. Our words as humans have power, but God's word has much more power in the sense that he was able to speak creation into existence, right? He was able to speak creation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says this, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So he has such tremendous power in His word that he spoke it into existence, and he created not something from nothing. right? Now, our words don't have that power, but there's still power in them to where we can tear someone down or build them up. Our words are important. Jesus talks about it. Often throughout the Old Testament, we see it with a lot of the epistles in the New Testament. Um, we see in Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to turn there really quick if you can, Matthew chapter 12, in verse 33. And we see why words are so important, more so than why we see it right here. But words are important because we're going to see that at some point, we are to give an account to God about what we say. We will stand before Jesus and give an account about what we have said. In Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33, it says this. As Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And that's, that's kind of like something that we're going to get at this morning too later on, is that why profess to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus and then not be obedient to him and not do the things that he says. I mean, why do that? Like, what, what is the good in that? What, it, in a sense, it's just hypocrisy. Right? If, if you proclaim to be obedient, then just be obedient. But if you're not being obedient, don't proclaim to be obedient. If you're not following Jesus, don't proclaim to follow Jesus. I mean, why, why do that to yourself? He says, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So we see how this lines up together. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And you may be thinking, well, then how, how, it, how doesn't that contradict everything that Jesus says where He's going to judge me based off my works? Didn't I what, I can't even receive salvation by works. I've been taught that this whole time. So, how is he going to judge me based on my works? Well, here's the kicker. Your works or your words are a reflection of your heart, right? And Jesus will judge your heart, right? And we can rightly we can be rightly judged by our words because of that standard. Because your words will reflect your heart. I'm going to say that over and over again. Your words will reflect your heart. In Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you, is where Paul is going to encourage us that there shouldn't be any type of filthiness or lying or things coming out of us as believers because we should have this changed and transformed heart, this new heart that God has given us. He says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth by what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I think this is a good self-reflection for us. Like, what am I saying that is not good? What is it? Am I, am I lying? Right? Because the more you lie, the better you're going to get at it, and, and, and the worse it's going to progress, and the bigger it's going to come, which, which will then ultimately bring about a bigger and worse consequence, and you will always be found out. Are you speaking some type of evil? Is it gossip? Is it slander? Is it, is it words that maybe are not edifying? And I believe that there's a lot of different words, right? Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And again, I know that there's a lot of Christians who will justify, I can say this word. But again, I'll challenge you and anyone who says that with exactly what Paul says. All things may be lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Right? Yeah, God tells me I can say this word and I feel comfortable. I don't feel convicted. Right? But, again your words will reflect your heart. And so Paul emphasizes not only the things that you shouldn't say, but the things that you should replace with it, right? He says, he says here, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, right? So Christianity is not about not doing stuff, right? It's not about, again, I say this all the time, it's not about waking up and not sinning, <laughs> right? Because at that point, you're going to end up sinning, uh, sinning. So he says, look, not only... Uh, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but I want you to replace it with this and do this. He says, but what is good for necessary edification. So not only do I want you not to say bad things, but I want you to replace it and say good and edifying things. right? So maybe you're the one that's like, and now I'll tell you this, it's better to just remain silent. What's, what's, what do moms always say? If you have nothing good to say, don't say anything at all? I would agree with that, that if you if you Abstain from saying something bad, that is good. And being silent is good. But Christ also calls us to go even further and to speak things that are good and that are edifying. Right? Paul is emphasizing that we don't merely refrain from telling lies or unwholesome speech, it's not enough. So, a reflection of our heart is seen in our words. In verse 46, Jesus continues with this thought of, you know, a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. Why would you be a bad tree trying to have the appearance of good fruit? Just do it. Just just follow with what your heart is. He says in verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show, show you whom he is like. So, he's starting off with a question. Or, or, yeah, he's starting off with a question. He says, There's many who will call me Lord, Lord. Right? Who who proclaim that Jesus is their God. Correct? That's he saying, Lord, Lord. But he says this, you say these things, yet your life doesn't reflect that I am your Lord, Jariel. right? Jesus, he says these things, and you say these things, you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things which I say. He says, and he likens it to this, you're like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus challenges us here. He challenged all his listeners to understand what it means to call him Lord. What it means to proclaim that Jesus is Christ. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man is what they do in response to what Jesus says, right? Jesus speaks, they both listen. That's the similarity, right? Right now, the word of God is being taught to you. You are all listening for the most part, except for the kids in the back, right? You are all listening. Yet it is a matter of not about listening, but what you do to what you, what you hear, right? Do I respond to it? Do I obey it? Or do I just completely reject the notion? And here's the crazy thing. You have the free will to do that. Like, nobody is forcing you, unless your parents are forcing you here, but nobody can force you to follow Jesus. Nobody can. And nobody should. So, if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't follow him. But I will tell you this. That is a horrible road and path to go on, because Jesus tells you that leads to destruction. And not only does it ultimately lead to destruction, but it leads to a life that is unfulfilled. It leads to a life that is hopeless. And Jesus has created us so that we would be in fellowship with him, so that we are constantly searching for something to fill our hearts. And the only thing that can fill it is Jesus. And so you will go through some type of storm, right? Some type of, uh, what's the analogy in this one? Some type of uh, stream will beat against you, right? Right? It, the one who, who listened obeyed, and the one who listened and didn't obey, they both went through the beating of the stream, right? They both went through hardship. They both went through this storm, right? They both went through life. And so at, at the end, or during this life, you can either be with Jesus and be on a solid foundation and have hope and have peace and have rest, or you can be the one that's constantly fighting against the things that are coming at you and never be fully uh, founded on a good base, And again, this is not a works-based salvation. Your works don't save you from the storm. We've got to remember that we're saved by grace through faith, but it is our faith that produces good works. And I encouraged the adults last week by saying faith can be measured through obedience. Okay? Your faith can be measured through your obedience, and obedience is the visible expression of your invisible faith. Am I obedient to God's word? Like, I hear it, and I have the choice to either obey it or to reject it, one or the other. And Jesus, remember, Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So I'm talking to those of you in this room that if you proclaim to love him, right, and you proclaim to say, Lord, Lord, then obey what he says, right? And again, this is a sanctification process. Like, it's going to take time. It's going to take learning. Being a disciple and being a student of Jesus is not something, like you don't learn things overnight. Although I believe he gives us a heart and he transforms us like that, but we we constantly have to be in his word and obeying his word. So Jesus put this in the form of a question, why? If you are disobedient, why continue to profess obedience? And let's look really quick. There's this threefold condition that he gives us here. He says, look, everyone that comes to me, Right, he says, "Everyone that comes to me, where does he say that? What verse? Let me see. Whoever comes to me, yeah. Whoever comes to me, everyone that comes to me, and hears my saying and does them, I'll I'll show, I will show you whom he is like." Right. So there is this open opportunity, this open door to come to him. But as we come to him, there is this surrendering that happens. Right? You good? All right. There's this surrendering that happens. Why don't you hey, go sit over there by Miss Mallory? Right, so there's that one condition, right? Everyone who comes to him. And then Jesus says, and everyone who, who hears my sayings or hears my word, and so part of that is discipleship, right? It's understanding what he is saying. But then there's this this third part of this this condition. He says, and everyone that does them, right? There's this obedience aspect of it, right? We come to him and we surrender our lives, right? We then, we learn and understand and we hear his words and the things that he says. And understand this, the things that Jesus tells us to do, they're not burdensome, right? They're, they're not they're not hard in a sense. Like, we, he, he gives us the ability to be able to do the things that he has called us to do. And not only are they ha- not hard, but They're life-giving. They're good for us. It's the best thing for you, right? Now, I think of like an analogy like with your parents. They'll always, if they love you, they will always try to give you their best advice based on what they understand or the experience that they've gone through, right? Because that way, if you can follow their advice, it'll be the best path that you can take. You'll hopefully avoid the pitfalls that they went through. Now, with Christ and the things that he tells us to be obedient About, right? Like, um, there's a ton of things. It's good for us. It's the best thing for us, right? So, like, when I tell my son, hey, don't do this, it's not a matter of like me displaying my power over him, my authority over him. Although that's there, but it's me revealing to him and showing him, look, I love you, and this is the best thing for you, right? And the natural response of our flesh is to buck against any type of authority or any type of, don't tell me what to do. But, again, it's the best thing for you. And so everything that Jesus tells us and calls us to do, it's the best thing for you personally. right? It's the best thing for you. So we come to him and we surrender. We hear his word. We're we're discipled by the things that he says. And then we obey the things that he says as we understand it and we hear it. And obedience is the key factor, guys. He says, what's the point if you don't obey? He says, then you will be likened on the man who is a fool, as Scripture says, and you will not stand in the end. You will not stand. He says, he who heard and did nothing, merely hearing God's word isn't enough to provide a secure foundation. It's necessary that we are also doers of his word. We see that in James. We see that, again, in a lot of different parts of Scripture. We have to be doers of God's word. And remember, I'm talking to those of you who claim that Jesus is your Lord, that you say, Lord, Lord, right? So when you walk out today, you know the difference between right and wrong. You know a majority of the scripture, if not at least some of it, but you've also been given the Holy Spirit to be able to know what to do in certain situations. At this point, again, if you proclaim that he's Lord, then prove it by the evidence of your obedience and the fruit of your lips. Does that make sense? It, 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 Jesus couldn't put any clearer in this. And if you don't proclaim that Jesus isn't your Lord, I mean, why, why are we hiding? Why are we being hypocritical? I believe that if, if in a sense, if, if we are cl- proclaiming Jesus as Lord, Lord, yet we're not obedient, there is some part of us that understands that he is Lord, but we haven't surrendered to him. And it's at this point where you need to. Or again, you will be like this foolish man. And, and Jesus puts it nicely. Like he's just going to, you know, he says he fell, right? But then he ends it and he says, and the ruin of that house was great. Like you got to understand, if we reject Jesus, it's more than just a slap on the wrist, right? It's more than just living the life that we want. There are huge consequences to it, not just eternal consequences, which is the main thing of it but the life that you're going to live, it's, it's never going to be fully satisfied. You will always be left wanting, and you will, you will be, face so much hurt where God, because you won't allow him, it will not be healed. And yet Jesus can, and he will, and he provides all these wonderful and good things. So hear his word and obey it. If I could put it as simple as possible. Hear his word and obey it. Let's pray. So Father we thank you that we have we do have your word something that we can look to and grow in and Lord I thank you that one that you saved us that you redeemed us Lord I pray that we would live lives that are a reflection of that that we have been transformed that we do have hearts that are good and not in the sense of you know good and bad based on this world but but good in the sense that you have given us this new and good heart. You have transformed us. And Lord, I pray that our heart would be a reflection of that process and and that our words would be a reflection ultimately of our heart. And Lord, that we would have words that are uplifting and kind and gentle. Lord, that the evidence of, of our salvation would be seen in our words and our obedience. Lord, that we could be a good example that we could produce good fruit. And Lord, that we could be found on a solid foundation when the storms of this life do hit and the end of life, this life does come. And when you judge us and you tell us you will judge us based on our words, ultimately based on our heart. And Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen.